Litcast Slovakia, the podcast about Slovak literature in English. Welcome to Litcast Slovakia number 16. I'm the literary translator Julia Sherwood, based in London, and today I'll be talking to Lucia Duero, who lives in Mexico City. Lucia is a Slovak writer and award-winning literary translator whose work has been published in numerous magazines in Slovakia, the Czech Republic, Latin America and the United States. She has been awarded residences and scholarships across the globe and she translates from Spanish, English and occasionally French into Slovak as well as from Slovak to Spanish and she's also a writer in her own right, in Spanish. Hello, Lucia. Welcome to Litka Slovakia. Hello, Julia. Thanks for having me. So you're in Mexico City, and we already had someone uh, based there on a previous podcast, uh, another Slovak, Magdalena Malek, except that she only lives there part-time, whereas uh, you have made the country your home. I'd be interested to know what brought you to Mexico And uh, also, I imagine that the cultural differences must be quite huge. So could you speak a little bit about what the experience of relocating from Slovakia to Mexico has been like for you? Yeah, sure. Um, There are indeed uh, huge cultural differences, but I guess one gets too used to that just as any country. Uh, for good or for bad. And I guess I'm a person who feels at home everywhere and nowhere. So that helps. <laughs> Even in Slovakia, I often feel like a stranger, uh, to be honest. Um, but for living in Mexico, uh, it's a long story and it's been a transforming experience in every sense. I guess it all started in, in Spanish, so I have to mention Spain before I uh, start talking about Mexico. Uh, when I was living in Soria, in the province of uh, Castilla y León, about 10 or 12 years ago, and I was forced to learn some Spanish to be able to communicate. Um, I didn't have much money at the time, so I couldn't afford attending a language school. And the only available option uh, was to go to the local library, borrow a, a course book and study by myself. So that's what I did. And when I was leaving the library the very first day, um, all the Spanish lady, lady approached me and started talking to me. Uh, as a, sorry, as a small town, I guess she, she noticed I'm not from there and started a conversation. We started a conversation, kind of, that lasted for many, many years. Uh, unfortunately, she passed away this year. Uh, well, but Esther, that was her name, uh, is kind of responsible for this relationship to with Spanish I've developed there in Soria and that uh, brought me to Mexico in a way. Uh, so Esther suggested we, we meet every day. I helped her with her English and she helped me learning Spanish. She was a, um, a retired French teacher, so we were communicating through, through French. And despite having uh, uh, 50 years difference between us or more even, we became uh, very good friends. We were meeting every day, drinking either coffee or, or uh, una caña, no, which is a glass of beer in Spain, or uh, 
Pedro Jimenez, which is a, a sherry, you could say. And yes, so it's, it's I think, thanks to her. <laughs> thanks to her that I, that I fell in love with Spanish. Otherwise, I'm not sure I would be able to to stay in Mexico later on and to live what I had to live in here. Because to be honest with you, when I came to Mexico, I, I wasn't in the best moment of my life. <laughs> I had a scholarship for studying Spanish at the Mexican Autonomous National University, so that was keeping me busy. But um, I found myself completely lost and alone in this uh, 20 million city in a different country different continent. Uh, I was very young. I didn't know what to do yet with my life without any stability. Uh, and I was kind of forced to to grow up, you know, despite my continuous resistance to growing up. So I think it's it's precisely this that, uh, that kept me here. And uh, that's why I consider this as a kind of transformative experience. Uh, so in 2018, you published a, a book called El Problema Principal, The Principal Problem in Madrid, and you wrote it in Spanish, and it has been described as a poetic novel. Could you tell us more about this book? It sounds really intriguing. And does it reflect your experience of living in Mexico? Yeah, it definitely does. And, and not only that, you mentioned I wrote a book in Spanish. It's not because I wanted to write it in Spanish. Uh, it just happened um, because it's also about uh, a being existing in, in two languages. Um, it's uh, I believe it reflects uh, the moment when I was uh, when you find yourself uh, in between the two languages. You know the one that uh, has been always with you, and it's it's kind of invaded by another one, by a new one, and vice versa, and the way these two interact. You know? Uh, but it's also a book about uh, deconstructing narratives we we kind of invent no? about ourselves about uh, or in order to feel more comfortable I think it has to do precisely with that um, different reality no? in, in other languages so uh, you are confronted with two different realities uh, but I think it's it's also a book about a, about solitude I can really relate to this uh, experience of uh, being in between languages and I'd love to read your book, but uh, I'm afraid Spanish isn't one of my languages. So is, is there a chance that we can read it in Slovak ever or in English? Well, I hope so. We shall see next year. <laughs> okay. Now, you combine your own writing in Spanish with translating and your range is truly impressive. You translate from Spanish, English and French into Slovak, as well as from Slovak into Spanish. So do you see yourself as a kind of bridge between all these languages and cultures? Um, I wish I could bring something to, to Slovakia from my experience with the world, definitely. And also a bit of Slovakia to those who are interested in reading us. Um, I have to say Mexico is a very generous, curious country. And in this sense, we have a lot to learn from Mexicans. So it's, it's been difficult, but uh, their openness kind of helped to build this bridge. There is a genuine curiosity to read, you know, even Slovak writers. Uh, and I feel it's not always the case in, in Europe and Slovakia. I think Europe and Slovakia, it's a bit more closed in this sense. Uh, 
have an impression that we are very much influenced by uh, literary canon and we hardly move from there. So, uh, and it does not always reflect reality. I learned it here in Mexico uh, after many years. For example, if you think about how many Mexican uh, women writers are represented in canon that is known in Slovakia, you will find out that probably not many or none even. And another thing is that if you notice, uh, Mexico is represented exclusively through Spanish while the country has around 63 native languages. So I think this very much reflects colonial experience and this colonial experience is often male. You know, this is uh, according to many Latin American uh, scholars, especially Maria Lugones, which I love. <laughs> Uh, and as a result, we have this, uh, this um, limited, you know, uh, version of what is Mexico, what is Latin America. Uh, we kind of illuminated these native, writer, native writers from the entire Latin American continent, you know. While uh, reading them, I think uh, it would be very interesting because it goes even beyond Mexico. Because if you think about it, Mexico is an invention, right? It's a, it's a construction of a particular time. Right, uh, but the languages these writers producing are much older than, than Mexico itself. So I think they have a lot to, to offer. And in case in, of Slovakia, I think this um, intercultural exchange is, is sometimes difficult, as I mentioned, because very few publishers are willing to take the risk. You know, mostly the, the independent ones, of course. The big industries prefer to go for the very same names because they guarantee success and sales. Which is understandable. So I was thinking what could we do? I think we could just try to intensify this, this exchange by trying to discover the hidden treasures that are here in Latin America abandoned, I have to say. Also, I was wondering whether you choose the books that you offer to these independent publishers in Slovakia, uh, books that you feel are particularly uh, important for Slovak readers uh, to get to know or, for example, to break that stereotype and to introduce uh, women women writers? Uh, or is, uh, is it the other way around? Do the publishers commission you to translate books? Uh, no, no, I don't work that way. <laughs> I, I think I, I kind of choose uh, my projects in a very or completely, I would even say, irrational criteria. <laughs> So, I, yeah, I, I don't really have any considerations for the market, you know. So, but which doesn't mean that there is no commercial value in it, right? But that's not my consideration. I, we could call it affinity. But I think it has to do with uh, particular questions I'm dealing with in, a, in, a, in certain times when I'm you know, thinking about translating something that is calling me there. Uh, so, for example, I might not translate uh, certain writers I translated in the past today, you know, because I have changed and my questions have changed. So, uh, so that's one part. But I have to say, <laughs> there's this strange thing I discovered that I, I really enjoy working on a book when I don't have any contract when it's just, you know, my decision and I feel free, you know. Uh, once I have a contract, it, it becomes a job with a boss and with deadlines. 
So also my mentality changes, you know, I'm not that interested in that book <laughs> anymore. So that's, that's funny things that's, that happened to me, you know. I just saw today that uh, MSS's discourse on colonialism in your Slovak translation has come out, out of the printers just today. So congratulations. And so this is another book that was published by a small publishing house, Capital. And and I seem to remember reading somewhere that you translated it quite a while ago. So was this one of those books that you really felt strongly about translating and you had no contract when you embarked on this? <laughs> oh, yeah, precisely. I, I was very passionate about, you know, colonialism and all the discourse uh, when I was in my 20s. So that was like 12 years ago, at least, <laughs> or more even, you know, so... Uh, yeah, that was exactly the case. I was just stubborn and I wanted to do it. And I was living in Finland at the time. I was studying uh, at the University of Uvascula. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to do it and, and I did it. Then I had a hard time when I was trying to edit it and reconnect to the very, to the very same book. But anyway, we managed. <laughs> I'm not very familiar with uh, Mexican literature. I have only read a few books, but uh, recently I've just finished reading uh, Hurricane Season by Fernanda Melchor, and I was just absolutely blown away because this uh, visceral poetic writing is so powerful and the English translation was quite phenomenal by Sophie Hughes. And uh, this book paints a really devastating picture of poverty, discrimination, superstition and sexual abuse in a small, destitute Mexican town. And I read some interview with you which suggested that uh, you are actually dealing with some of these issues in your non-literary work. So could you talk a little bit about this aspect of your life in Mexico? And also, uh, I'm just curious to know whether you might be tempted to translate Hurricane Season into Slovak. Yeah, um, I'm glad you're mentioning Fernanda Melcher because I think she's she's amazing. She's, I think, one of the most fascinating uh, contemporary writers in Mexico. I read other books by Fernanda, so I really admire her. Well, uh, you know... I think Mexico is a, is a very strange country because you have this uh, parallelism of a kind of very very vulgar and tragic poverty. So I would be I would be interested in in seeing this English translation because it's a very you know vulgar Mexican slang. <laughs> so so maybe you could share you know your view on that. And but what I want to say is that. There is also other part of this, which is a very uh, vulgar and exuberant richness, you know, so you have both. Uh, we often talk uh, only about poverty, but right now, I think I would like to see a, a book on, on this richness as well, <laughs> you know. And uh, for, my, for my experience with this in Mexico, well, I, I used to work with uh, several NGOs in the past. Uh, I don't work with them anymore, but uh, they mostly dealt with uh, with uh, very depressing uh, teams such as forced disappearance, etc. So let's not enter that. <laughs> and uh, well, to answer your questions about translating Fernanda's uh, book, uh, I don't plan to do that, but uh, hopefully someone else will do it, who will listen to this podcast maybe. <laughs> 
I think it's a, it's a great book because it's, a, as they say, and here in Mexico, it's, it's written in a kind of nightmarish style. But, uh, but for me, to translate a book, it's, uh, it goes beyond, you know, enjoying or appreciating. It's, it's, uh, I need a different trigger, you know. Something must be born in me, so I'm waiting for that. <laughs> I see. Well, fair enough. <laughs> so this is actually quite a neat way to come back now to your translations of uh, Slovak poets into Spanish. So I take it that uh, you actually felt that you wanted to translate these particular poets. Uh, so Katarina Kuzbelova, Michal Habaj and Ivan Štrpka, you had a collection of that, of each of their poetry, poetry translated into Spanish. So could you say a few words about uh, these individual poets and what uh, appealed to you about their work? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I have to say I was reading uh, Slovak contem contemporary poetry since I was in high school. Uh, all, the, all the poets published by Volna, the Wave Publishing House. So I was familiar with them since then. Uh, it became kind of, uh, kind of became part of my identity, I guess. So I admired them long before I translated them. In case of Katarina, which is published in Spain uh, by uh, Olifante Ediciones de Poesia, um, um, well, the, the publishing house is directed by a Spanish editor, an amazing Spanish editor, poet, Trinidad Ruiz Marcellan. I met her many years ago, again, around uh, 10 or 12 years ago when I was living in Spain. And we've been in touch since then. So um, I suggested she, she, I suggested uh, Katarina's poetry. She liked it. Uh, what I like about her is that uh, she notices different absurdities. Uh, also that she questions everything, that she marvels, you know, that kind of things. And, uh, well, it worked. The publisher was interested in having her in her catalogue, so, so that was out. She's also quite open to receiving new voices. Uh, in case of Habai, I also read him as a teenager. So it was quite natural. I think he has his very original poet with a quite unique voice. And even after many, many years of, of reading him, I still think he, he did something unprecedented in poetry. So I've been gradually working on his translations before I had a publisher. And then the Mexican publishing house Argonautica was uh, interested in having him among their authors. So I prepared an anthology basically consisting of a, of a selection from all his all his books. Well, but in, in case of Stirpcat, it was very different. <laughs> I didn't plan to translate him. Uh, it was the idea of, uh, of Franciszek Malik from uh, Bratislava Book Festival and Bragg Publishing House to translate him. I didn't feel ready, so that's why <laughs> I didn't want to start translating him yet, because he's obviously one of the most respected Slovak poets that uh, deserves all the attention there is, right? But right now I'm happy that I could I mean, cont contribute at least, you know, with a tiny book to introduce him to the Spanish-speaking world. And uh, some of uh, Strepka's poetry, as well as uh, Kutbelova's and Habay's, uh, will also be available to English readers soon in the second installment of a feature on contemporary Slovak poetry in English translation. Uh, which is due to be published in the forthcoming issue of the journal Tupelo Quarterly. 
The first installment, entitled Fragments of the Vanishing Speech, appeared in July this year, and you co-edited it with uh, Jesse Lee Kercheval, an American poet and translator whose poetry collection you have translated into Slovak. So could you tell us how your collaboration came about? Hmm. I met Jesse Lee at uh, the Baum Center for Creativity in Canada, where we were both residents. And of course, we spent plenty of time uh, discussing literature, translation, publishing industry, and other things. And it was there I, I just suggested uh, featuring Slovak poetry in Tupel. Jesse welcomed the idea as uh, Slovak poetry is not uh, something you see often in the US, so, and it's pretty, pretty much it. Um, um, I just thought, you know, that uh, I mean, I could just push forward these poets and the translators, that's all. Uh, and the translators, I think they are doing really amazing job. So, um, and also, it's, I like to collaborate with people, you know, I'm very much for collaboration and, and supporting each other instead of competing and, you know, showing off who is the best or who is better than, you know. So that's, it's not interesting for me anymore. So that was it. <laughs> So we'll have now the second installment, and could you just introduce some of the poets who were featured in the July issue in the first installment, why you chose them, and also where does the title Fragments of the Vanishing Speech uh, come from? Yeah, uh, so uh, Mila Haugova was featured in the first issue together with uh, Maria Ferenczuhova, um, Eva Luka, Dana Podretska and Jan Gawra. Um, I have chosen this title, Fragments of the Vanishing Speech, uh, it comes from Mila Haugova's poem because um, I think it reflects both uh, poetry is something ephemeral, vanishing, that is you know, not there to, to establish something fixed. And also, in a, in a figurative sense, it uh, represents small languages and a danger of them uh, uh, being swallowed by bigger, you know, quote-unquote, speeches. So the, the first instrument uh, featured a translation of James Sutherland Smith, a Scottish translator who lives in Slovakia, and one translation of a, of a US-based uh, Slovak translator, Mina Varon. Uh, and the second one uh, will uh, feature the translations of John Minahan, an Irish, Irish translator living in Slovakia, and I think one translation of uh, Ivana Hostova, a Slovak translator. So, uh, and for the second feature, I will, I will mention only some of the poets, so there is a surprise when it comes out. So apart from, uh, from Kudzbelova, Habay and Štrpka, which you already mentioned, there will be Jana Bodnarova, uh, Peter Šule, Juraj Kudňák, uh, Erik Ondrejčka, well, and, and many others. <laughs> and uh, so now, just to switch back to your translation from Spanish or English or French into Slovak, you have now lived away from Slovakia for more than 10 years, and languages change and evolve. I, I noticed it myself, living away from Slovakia. And so to translate into Slovak, you need to keep keep up with the developments in the language. And I guess you go back every now and then, but uh, being in Mexico, you probably can't afford to do it very often, and even at a time when there is no pandemic. So I guess you probably read a lot in Slovak. And so that takes me to the question I've asked most of uh, my guests on, on this podcast. 
which is uh, what contemporary Slovak writers have you found especially interesting uh, or whose work you really loved and who you think would be of special of interest to Anglophone readers and who should be translated into English? Hmm. Yeah, it is, it is indeed challenging to, to stay connected with the Slovak language. Um, I read in Slovak and in Czech as well. Uh, actually, right now I'm expecting a, a package of books <laughs> here in Mexico. It always takes a, takes a few months, but then it comes eventually, so I'm still waiting. Uh, yes, you're right, it's absolutely necessary, uh, not only because of the language, but uh, I don't know if you perceive it in London, but uh, I, I do have a desire to stay connected to, you know, to that reality that is portrayed in the Slovak books, because I, I no longer form part of it. So, so that's another reason. And to mention a few authors I really, really enjoyed recently, that's definitely Ivana Dobrakova. Uh, Bala. Um, then there is this this funny and unique book that I think deserves to be translated by Daniel Myling. It's called something like Russian Classics because uh, it's really you know something unpredictable. <laughs> and then I would say many many of our classics such as Dominik Tatarka. You know my my interest in Anglophone reader and you know many many other great writers. Thank you. Well, some of these that you mentioned have been translated. Actually, mm -hmm. I have translated. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> about Myling, uh, I think I have translated, well, not, not, I shouldn't say I think, I have translated uh, uh, one of the stories uh, mm -hmm. from, from this uh, Ruska Klasika, mm -hmm. Russian mm -hmm. classics, as we call it. <laughs> but it's uh, it's quite a challenging book. I think it's difficult to find a publisher for it. But, but I know, no, I know. Maybe, Same maybe here. one day. <laughs> yeah. Right, so last but by no means least, can you tell me what you are working on at the moment? Uh, I'm working on a translation of a novel by a uh, Mexican writer, Josefina Vicens. It's called The Empty Book. <laughs> and that should be out very soon. We are in the, this should, yeah, that's, uh, and we are also in the final phases which, uh, of the Battles in the, in the Desert by Jose Emilio Pacheco. So these two books, both uh, Mexican literature, and they will be both published by Breck Publishing House. Mm -hmm. And any Slovak authors you're translating or planning to translate in, into Spanish in the near future? Uh, well, yes. Uh, I was approached recently by a Mexican-Spanish publishing house um, to translate one Slovak poet, but I, I won't say anything yet because we, we haven't reached any agreement yet. <laughs> Okay, that's exciting, and yeah. especially to hear that you were actually approached by a publishing house. That is just so rare in my experience. Yeah, it is, it is. <laughs> well, this is really wonderful and very hopeful note, I think, to end on. So thank you very much, uh, Lucia, for coming on, on the podcast. And it was really, really lovely to talk to you and to get to know you a little bit. And uh, I hope uh, our paths will cross in the future. I hope so. Thank you very much, Julia.